Good morning, Refuge. Stand to your feet as we worship this morning. Took me from the wayside, call me your own.
I thank the worship team for these songs. It's a great preparation for communion. And you can have a seat. Uh, I'd like to talk about a few things before we enter into communion. If you want to pull up 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, these are some familiar passages that we've heard before, but I'd like to read them one more time. For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, if you've been in church for any length of time, I'm sure you've heard those words read before. And if, if you've been in church for many years, I'm sure you've heard them many, many times. And one of the things that can happen is, yes, it's so familiar to us. We've heard that. I know what it says. And we kind of go through the process without really thinking about what that really means. And so I'd like to take just a couple moments and talk about what communion is and why it's so important to us. The words are important, first of all, because they're words that Jesus spoke. And Jesus is our refuge. He's the one that we turn to. And so they're important. Communion really remembers the great demonstration of the love of God for us. John 3.16, which we all know is God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved us so much that he was willing to give up that thing that was most dear to him, his only beloved son. God was willing to pay whatever price it took in order to win us back to him. Because there was that problem. There was that sin problem. Sin stood between us and him, and between us and having a dynamic and intimate relationship with him. So God was willing to do whatever he took in order to get rid of that sin problem. So he sent Jesus, and Jesus paid that price on the cross so that our sins could be taken care of, so that they could be wiped away, so there would be no obstacle between us and him. And that opens up an opportunity for each one of us to accept that gift that he's given to us. It's a price we could not pay, but it is a price that he paid. And Jesus did, went to the cross willingly it's not that God the Father says, well, you have to go, and Jesus said, well, yeah, I guess I have to do it then. Scripture says <clears throat> in John, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. So God the Father loved us. Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to pay that price for each one of us. Do this in remembrance of me, Jesus said. And so we have to remember what is the price that he paid. His body was broken. It says, by his stripes we are healed. The pain that Jesus went through was to bring healing for us, healing and restoration, body, soul, and spirit. The blood that was poured out from him was there to wash away our sins, not just cover them up, but to wash them away so they would not be remembered anymore. So the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all iniquity, so we can stand before God pure and whole. 
his blood was red, but being washed by the blood, so to speak, lets us stand before him as white as snow. God wants us to come to him. God paid the price so that we could come to him. And that's what communion is all about. We again remember the price. When we take that bread that's broken, we remember the body of Jesus that was broken so that we could be made whole. When we take that cup, we remember the blood that he shed so that our sins can be totally forgiven, forgotten, no more. And then there's something that Paul went on to say after that. In verse 27, it says, Whoever therefore eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of Jesus. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat the bread and drink the cup. Paul was writing to the Corinthians kind of to correct some things that were happening there. Apparently, there was some dissension between the people. There wasn't unity, and there was people kind of did their own thing without thinking about the other folks. And so we have to do that too. We need to take care of those things. Now, I'm not saying that there's any dissension here in this house, but if you're holding a grudge or unforgiveness against anyone, whether it's in this church or home or at work or wherever it is, we need to deal with that. And that's why we need to take time to think about it. Think about it and ask God for forgiveness and ask God to show you how to make that restoration with that person you may have an issue with. It says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's already paid the price. All we have to do is come to him and he will make us whole. Let's pray. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for the great love that you demonstrated, that you were willing to pay the awesome price so that we could be yours. I thank you, Jesus, for being willing to pay that price to let your body be broken so that our sins could be forgiven. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for working today in each one of our hearts to reveal that truth to each one of us. We thank you for the, for the body that was broken, for the bread that was broken so we can have healing and restoration. We thank you for the blood that was shed so that we could be made whole pure in your sight, in Jesus' name. Here at Refuge, we hold an open communion, which basically means that if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, you are welcome to participate with us. The host will dismiss each row by row, and you can take your bread and their cup to your seat. And if you want to pray among your family or those close to you or your friends, Go ahead and do that. And if you'd rather have just a quiet time with the Lord by yourself, you can do that also. So I will let it up to the host to usher each row uh, to receive the bread and the cup. Thank you, Lord.
will be singing how great thou art. Uh, the God who has named the stars, who calls us by name. Great are you, God. We give you praise and we honor you in this place. Amen. Okay, you guys can have a seat and hear this morning's announcements. Hey, church. My name is Colton. Happy February. We believe all people matter to God. This is a place we grow while finding authentic hope, purpose, and love through Jesus. If this is your first time at Refuge, there's a few things we want you to know. First, God cares about you, and so do we. Second, our gatherings are designed for real people doing real life. We're all about community. And third, if at any point during today's service you have a question or need assistance, find a host. They're wearing blue shirts and they're located throughout the auditorium or at the Welcome Center. If you're a guest, you can grab a welcome guide in the seat back in front of you. Inside, there's a connect card. Fill it out and drop it off at the welcome center after service for a free gift. Wow, all this change is exciting. But if you're like me, it's a little hard to keep track of. So over the coming months, each week, we'll let you know some updates that you should be aware of. We are now officially refuge. But if you've noticed, our signs haven't changed. Our new signs are coming soon. We're also in the process of changing how search engines like Google help people find refuge instead of Good News Fellowship. How many of you love ushers? Well, guess what? We're getting rid of them. No, not the actual people, but the title. From now on, they're gonna be called hosts. And you can find a host at the Welcome Center before or after service. Speaking of the Welcome Center, we're making some changes to that as well. That's a place where you can go to learn more about events, find more information about services or outreaches at Refuge, and more. There's gonna be a fun, friendly person there each week for you to talk with. Refuge Kids has some awesome things happening. Starting February 8th, they will be relaunching with new names and their service time will be lasting the entire service with check-in starting at 9.45. There, they're gonna experience live worship and a place to grow and experience God and who he is to them. If you were at the beginning of service last week, you probably remember that we found a Refuge video. We're excited to let you know that you can watch it again or for the first time on our new webpage right on the homepage. We've also uploaded a total of 15 full video stories about how God has been people's refuge. You can find them at wearerefuge.net forward slash stories. Feel free to share them on social media. Today, we're starting a new series called Checklists. This month, we're gonna be focusing on relationships. So how you can get along with your family members, friends, and coworkers. Today, Pastor Matt's gonna be starting a new series called A Great Smile. It's gonna be awesome. And you can listen to this message and messages from past series on our website for free. How many people love the internet? Well, I have good news for you. Refuge has a website. There you can listen to past messages, give online, or find out more about who we are as a church. You can also learn more about events that we just mentioned and discover events that we didn't mention. Have Facebook, Twitter, how about Instagram? So do we. Follow us on social media and be the first to find out about events and encouraging stories. All right, it's community time. Go say hi to people here at Refuge and feel free to walk around and say hi to an unfamiliar face. Or if you'd rather just sit and chill, that's okay too. We'll give you a few minutes. Children in preschool only can be dismissed now. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of service.
Good morning, everyone. How many of you are ready for the word this morning? Great. It's wonderful to have all of you out this morning. I know the weather, when I woke up this morning, I thought, oh, no, I see roads. But uh, you brave the weather. Of course, you live in Wisconsin, so this is part of winter life. Uh, you can go ahead and grab a seat, and, and we're going to go ahead and get started this morning. I'm, I'm very excited about the uh, series for this month because uh, all of us have to deal with relationships, okay? And so we're going to be exploring some things and hopefully help you to refine and define some things in, in your life so that you can grow in healthy relationships that can uh, enhance your journey with God as well as uh, allow you to make an impact in the lives of others. But we're so honored to have all of you this morning, especially first-time visitors to Refuge. This is an exciting venture for us as a church. We just celebrated 31 years as Good News Fellowship Church this past month. And God has given us a new name for a new season. And so I, I believe our, uh, the, there is this identity change. We're, we're the same church, but yet with a new identity because God's given us a focus and a, a mission, I believe, that he uh, wants us to embrace so that we can really reach out to this community and, and show them the love of Jesus Christ. Uh, this morning, uh, if you did not receive a, one of those brochures for welcome for the first time, people, uh, those of you that are regular members of this church, you need to pick that up if you didn't receive one and just familiarize yourself with the new visitor's brochure. And in fact, those are also tools that you can take and share with others that you would invite to our services. And so we're excited about what the future holds. And, and, and just hang on because change is something that uh, challenges some people. Uh, there's, there's some people that they, they resist change because they like it the way it was. But, you know, there's something that's constant in life, and that's called change. Isn't that true? And uh, you ask, well you, well, you may not get a response from an infant, but uh, infants love to be changed, especially when they have a full diaper, Right? Uh, if you don't change them, things start smelling a little bit, okay? So uh, we need to embrace the change, especially when God is at the helm of that change and, and beginning to direct our lives in the direction that he wants us to go. I believe that uh, God is up to some great things, and, and we're so honored to be able to have the opportunity this morning to share with you. Psalm 16:1. when we think about a refuge, we realize that it's a safe place. Psalm 16:1 says, Keep me safe, O God, for I've come to you for refuge. Jesus really is our refuge. We also see in Psalms 46:1, it reads, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. I like that. He's always ready. Are you in trouble? He's always ready to help in those moments of despair, those, those moments of conflict, those moments of difficulty. He's always ready to help. You never get a busy signal with God. Right. You never get a time where he said, I don't have time for you. He's always ready to help you no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through. And that's, that's really a great thing about the God that we serve. It really speaks of who he is and his great love for us. This morning's message, we're talking about a great smile. This is the first in a series of four messages as we talk about checklists. 
And I don't know uh, if you have checklists. How many of you work with a checklist? I, I know my wife does. Deb has a checklist. In fact, if you go in her office, on her desk, somewhere, you will find a checklist. And she loves to check things off when she's completed them. Now, I'm not one necessarily that works off a checklist, and, and maybe you are, and that's a good thing. And I, I, I think it would help me if I did, because then I uh, would maybe get more accomplished and, and not be so uh, spastic or sporadic in my... But that's why I have a wife to keep me in line. I mean, she's, she's great. I mean, she's great. She's very task-orientated, and she can help me make sure I, I, I match my clothes and all that other stuff. Because when I was single, I, I would be mismatched at times, and, and people, you know, they were gracious enough not to tell me. But when I met her, she told me. Um, and she's very honest. That's another quality that she possesses, and I'm thankful for that as well. Although sometimes I say, just keep your honesty to yourself today. I, um, okay. All right. So recommended reading. There's some great books out there. And I was thinking about what could we recommend this month uh, for this series on relationships. And, and really two books that just kind of jumped out at me, not literally, uh, but were The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. And that book is really unique in the sense that it helps you to identify uh, what are those things that you respond to. And it helps you identify uh, what are those things that respond to others. There's a language that we have that helps us to more effectively communicate. Now, uh, Pastor Deb's love language is gift giving. And so she loves to give gifts, and, and she, she just loves that. That's part of the way she communicates love with others. And at the same time, she loves to receive gifts. Now, my primary love language is words of affirmation. And so, now, I don't mind you giving me a gift, but I respond more to words of affirmation when somebody's encouraging me, building me up, and, and that sort of thing. And, and there's other love languages such as uh, quality time. And you have to buy the book to find out the rest of them. There's five. But there's actually a little test you can take, an analysis, so you can kind of find out where you fit on the scale of love, love languages. Especially, you need to know the love language of your spouse because, uh, you know, that will help you in your marriage, okay? And, uh, enough said on that. The other book is um, Telling Each Other the Truth uh, by William Backus. And, and that book is outstanding. It, it's a phenomenal book. He, he, this first book was Telling Yourself the Truth. And if uh, you need to tell yourself the truth and be honest with yourself. But then for effective communication, you need to learn how to tell each other the truth. Because there's a lot of misbeliefs out there. Uh, we in our house uh, have learned... We don't say, you always do this. You always. We, we, no, I don't always do that, honey. Uh, maybe most of the time, but not always. You know, we have to be truthful in how we communicate uh, with each other. And so those are great resources out there. And we're going to make sure we get some ordered because I, I think they're gone. So, but we'll get some ordered for you this, this month. So, um, now I... I decided to go and Google checklists, and, and I discovered that there is a website called checklist.com. 
Now, some of you ladies especially are going to like this because they have a checklist for everything. And so you can go there and you can, can they have templates and, and different things like that where you can uh, set up your checklist if you're going on a vacation and planning a vacation, if you're planning a wedding. They've got all different kinds of checklists. Now, when we think of checklists, and you may not necessarily think of a checklist when it comes to relationship, but today we want to begin to look at a checklist, and there's a few areas we're going to be looking at this month in that checklist as we build healthy and strong relationships with one another. Uh, what kind of checklist may you have when it comes to relationship? Now, we're going to start with a great smile, okay? Now, just uh, Friday, we happened to go to TJ Maxx in Plover at Crossroad Commons. And there was this uh, clerk there. Actually, uh, I first saw him in the back of the store in the home goods section. That's where I usually go. I like to walk back there. Pastor Deb is looking at the shoes and other things and items. Uh, we were shopping for potatoes. They do good there. Don't tell anybody. Our third child was turning 18. And, and Mackenzie uh, said, Dad, how does it feel to... Uh, in a couple of days, you're going to have three adult children. Oh, kind of reminds me that I'm getting a little older. But I'm still young at heart, okay? Anyway, so we're there, and I see him in the back of the store. He comes out of the, the back room, and who knows what they do in the back room at those stores. But they have a bunch of stuff there and, and stock and supplies. He comes out, he's got this great smile on his face. And, and I said something, well, that's an award-winning smile. And he, yeah. And he zooms up, to the, zooms up to the front of the store. I saw him like two or three other times in the store. And every time he had this great smile on his face. So finally get up to the checkout counter. And he's back there. He's still got this great smile. And just having that smile, it made me feel better. I thought, now that, that guy, he's, he's somebody that I might like to get to know. Because that, that smile was so inviting. And, and it just really, uh, it spoke to me. And I thought, wow. And, and you know, I, I like to think about things in the message that I've experienced that can relate to truth. And I thought, wow, this is going to be great for Sunday sermon. I can talk about this guy at TJ Maxx. If you go there, you look for him. <laughs> in fact, you can, you can tell him, my pastor preached about you from the pulpit. Okay? And he'll go, What? then take one of the brochures and invite him to one of our services. Yeah. And then you'll come here and you all see his wonderful smile. <laughs> all right. And I don't know if he maybe has another church somewhere, but if not, well, we don't want to steal him from another church. But, I, okay. So, <laughs> all right. Psalms 34.5. We want to look at this passage, and we're going to just read this first, first, and then I want to bring this out in its context. I'm going to be sharing this from the Message Bible. Psalms 34, 5. Look at him. Give him your warmest smile. Never hide your feelings from him. Now, as we talk about things this month, we want to look at some things that are important to build healthy long-lasting relationships. Those are things we need to consider. Now, you might say, well, what's the big deal about a smile? Anybody can smile. But it's realizing that there's more to smile than what meets the eye. 
there's something else going on in, in the heart of a person because the face reflects what's happening on the inside of a person. And, and we see the Proverbs actually says that a face reflects the heart. So if, if you have a frown on you all the time, mm, there's something reflecting from the inside that maybe you don't want to be communicating. So we need a checkup from our heart. And so uh, I want to read this, as I said, within this context. I, I love this psalm because it, it really engages the heart of, of, of the issue. And, and when we as believers look at what it really means to praise God, what it really means to live for him, what it really means to worship God, this psalm is so important to really e express our heart. And, and the, the psalmist David here, uh, he was a man after God's heart. He loved to worship God. And I just loved it in the service to see people engaging this morning in worship. You know how much that pleases the heart of God when you enter in? That so, not that you need to impress God, you really can't impress him, but it touches his heart in a way that releases his goodness towards us. The Bible says that he literally inhabits the praises of his people. So when we worship him, guess what? He shows up. He comes on the scene. And we can encounter his presence, his love, that can impact you in such a way to change your heart, to change your life. Amen? We all need to be transformed by his presence. So Psalms 34, verse 1, it says, I bless God every chance I get. My lungs expand with his praise. Wow. We were singing about that this morning. Verse 2, I live and breathe God. If things aren't going well, hear this and be happy. Now let me pause here for a moment because there are times that things don't go well. How many of you have had a crisis, a conflict, a difficulty, a challenge, something that may set you back, something that may just even depress you? We, we all encounter that kind of stuff. That's part of living. That's part of life. But what does it say? Okay. Uh, verse 2 again. I live and breathe God. If things aren't going well, hear this and be happy. Join me in spreading the news. Together, let's get the word out. God met me more than halfway. He freed me from my anxious fears. And then we see this verse, verse 5, our key verse for today's message. Look at him. Give him your warmest smile. Never hide your feelings from him. When I was desperate, I called out, and God got me out of a tight spot. In other words, you're in the fix. He gets you out. But there's something about this passage and what we see here I think is so important for us to consider in relationships because it's really focusing on your relationship to God. And one thing we need to consider is that relationships are two directions. Vertical happens to deal with your relationship between you and your creator, you and the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who made you, designed you, had a purpose and a plan for your life. And then the horizontal relationships, that would affect each other. 
you know, interaction with your spouse, your coworker, your neighbors, your relatives. So we have vertical and horizontal relationships. This passage is really addressing the vertical relationship. And see, that's where it begins uh, really to smile before him. Let, let him take notice of your smile. Okay? Because when the relationship between you and the Father is what it needs to be, guess what? Relationships between you and others on this planet are going to begin to take on a whole new dynamic. Because I, I am an advocate for healthy relationships. You know, if, if there's a marriage that's struggling, I know it doesn't have to be struggling because, uh, you know, part of the problem is communication. People don't know how to communicate effectively. And communication doesn't just happen by chance. It's a skill that's developed. And we have to take time to learn how to communicate how to converse, how to interact. Or otherwise, we'll, you know, uh, we, we can't just claim the fifth. We can't claim ignorance. You know, and husbands and wives, sometimes we get to them together in a counseling s- situation, and, and, and they're, they're not taking issue with the importance of communicating one with another. See, and, and that, was, that was the whole issue between man and God, And it started way back in the garden when Adam fell. The lines of communication were severed. If we could only get a glimpse of the kind of fellowship that Adam had with the Father God before there was sin on the scene, the the joy, the pleasure, the interaction, it, it was so amazing that our minds can't really comprehend it. And it was so glorious that the very glory and the presence of God covered them where they didn't even know, notice that they were naked. They didn't notice flaws or imperfections because they had this relationship with God that was unimpaired, unhindered, unhampered. They were in sweet and precious fellowship in an unbroken relationship. But then sin entered in and it severed something that God in his heart desired to have with his creation, his man, his woman that he made, and with all of humanity. And so from that point, after that relationship was broken, God set out to restore it, to repair it. And he accomplished that through redemption. And see, really, redemption is to restore what was lost. Because God the Father longs to have an intimate relationship with his creation. He wants you to know him. He wants you to really connect with him. Okay? Now, uh, I want to pray. And uh, so that was my introduction thing. <laughs> and, and, and when we, you know, we're not going to hold you over too long, but when we get to the end, we're going to cut it off. Okay? So, and there's more to be continued. Okay? But I want to pray. We want to lift up... Uh, Pastor Susie Fiedler, who this past Monday had fallen and broken her hip. And uh, when taken to the hospital, they looked at x-rays and they looked at the possibility that she might have some kind of bone cancer. And so uh, we uh, went o- I went over there, spent some time with, with uh, Pastor Dan and Susie and Nina uh, and at the hospital. And they were, she was transferred to um, Milwaukee and had hip surgery replacement, and now she's in recovery, and, and they, they believe that the, the kind of cancer she has is very treatable, 
But we just want to take a moment and lift them up in prayers as we, we pray as well. They're dear friends of this ministry, and, and, and we are totally uh, want to be there for them as a support. Father, we I thank you for this time, this message, and the things that you've uh, laid upon our hearts to share with this congregation. I pray for inspiration, for revelation, for greater understanding. We thank you for the foundation of truth that, that you've established in your word and through your word. Help us to build our lives upon that and, and develop relationships based upon truth and not the lie, not deception and falsehood. Father, today we lift up uh, Pastor Dan and especially Susie, and we thank you for your healing touch in her body for a speedy recovery. We thank you for the success of the surgery, and we thank you for helping her, Father, to, to grow stronger and, and to be fully restored in the name of Jesus. We curse every cancer cell in her body, and we thank you for your healing power released in Jesus' name. We thank you that there's no distance in prayer, that you meet them, Father, to, to give them comfort and strength in this time of need. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, now, we realize that God is the author of relationships, okay? He, he started this thing, it's, and it's his intent that they be healthy, and healthy relationships is, is what we need to seek after because there's, there's on, if there's healthy relationships, that means there's unhealthy ones, and those are detrimental to who you are and can be very destructive in your life. And, and so maybe uh, some of you are going to be challenged today because some of you may be in relationships that you may need to get out of because they're leading you on the wrong path of destruction. And then there's other relationships you may need to connect to so that you can grow and, and reach your destiny. We're going to also be talking about Jesus being a friend of the sinner because how are we going to reach a, a lost and a dying world without engaging with them, without encountering them, without becoming a friend to them. But that friendship is a qualified friendship. It's not a friendship where we become like them. It's a friendship where we bring them to a loving relationship with a loving Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, It's a, it's a friendship that doesn't give place to compromise or complacency, but a friendship that leads people to the place that God's destined them to be. Can you say amen? No. Relationship is simply the ability to relate to someone, to be relatable, okay? In fact, um, uh, conflict is a result of the inability to relate to another person. In fact, uh, whether it's with your spouse, a coworker, your relatives, your in-laws, outlaws, whatever they are, what, you know, uh, if you can't relate, then there's going to usually be at some point conflict, Okay? And so in a marriage relationship, especially if you cannot relate to your spouse, I promise you, I'm not done making this promise, you will have conflict. If you can't relate, you will have conflict. And so we need to make it a, an objective for us to relate to other people. And see, when we look at God in the whole redemption plan, that's why he sent Jesus to relate to humanity in our fallen state. Not that he fell, but he took on the burden of our sin. He took on the consequences of our sin. So he can totally relate. In fact, the scripture says this about Jesus in Hebrews, that he was tempted in all points like us, but yet without sin. In other words, he can relate to the temptation you're going through because he was tempted with that temptation. 
whatever we go through as human beings, he can relate to that because he became a human being and dwelt among us. All right. Look at Proverbs. Turn there if you you can. Chapter 12, verse 26. Because, um, and let me just say this, the the enemy attempts to pervert anything God created for good so that it becomes evil. The, the enemy will try to distort that. And that, thus, we have godly relationships and we have ungodly ones. And so uh, relationships with the right people will make you. Relationships with the wrong people will break you. Okay? And that's, that's a great statement. And so where do you want to go with your life? Where you want to go with your life is determined by the relationships you build and establish. And so um, I, I can remember one time, there was a guy I was working with, and, and he had a drinking problem. And I, uh, at that time, we actually had a, uh, there was a ministry, a coffee house on the public square, and it was called the Alternative Coffee House, uh, and it was the alternative from the bar scene. You could go in there and get coffee. You could go in there find Christian fellowship, or, you know, it was, it was just kind of that setting. And so um, I was re- reaching out and witnessing to this guy and ha- trying to help him through his problems, and I happened to walk by and saw him in the bar. And I'm thinking, what is he doing there? So I wa- walked in, and, and, you know, if you ever see your pastor walking in the bar, it's because I'm on a mission. I'm not going for a drink. And so don't be too quick to judge me. So I walked in, and I sat down next to him, and I said, um, how are you doing? You look <clears throat> a little shocked, you know. What are you doing here? I said, I came here because I saw you in here. What are you doing in here? You don't belong here, do you? You're right. I said, Can, let's go for a walk. And, you know, so there's times where, you know, because when he's in there, then there's some old buddies, some old friends that have a maybe dominant influence because of a weakness in him given to that, the addiction of, of drinking too much, uh, abusing the substance, you know, but uh, knowing that uh, he needed to relate and connect to the right people so he could stay on track in his journey with God. Because you need to understand that when you start on, out on this journey with God, the enemy is going to set up roadblocks in front of you. He's going to try to set up distractions in front of you. He's going to put people in front of you to try to divert you from your journey with Jesus. Because he doesn't want you to go on that journey. Because the longer you journey with Christ, the harder it is for him to defeat you. And the less likely he has a chance to do it. Because you grow stronger in your faith, you grow stronger in your walk, and you realize that your life has been transformed by his love and his word, and you are a new creature. And see, there's a transforming element that we have. We see that in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. All things become new. He gives us a fresh start. He gives us a new life. I mean, it's just so amazing. So, you define Proverbs 12, 26. I didn't forget, okay? It says, the righteous should choose his friends carefully. For the way of the wicked leads them astray. So be careful in who you choose as friends. Be careful who you connect to. And there's times you may have to withdraw from someone, not because you're trying to be mean, 
but because you know there's an unhealthiness in that connection. And, and I believe that God gives us new friends. Because, and, and really, if somebody's a true friend, they will embrace what you embrace. And they may say, well, you know, you found Jesus. Well, that's great. I'm so happy for you. Maybe it's not for me, but if you found peace with God, if you found that, that's great. And they're not going to try to pull you out of your new life commitment to Jesus. They will, they will support you in it, but then they'll watch you and observe your life. And then in time, like with, with Deb, did you know that all of her friends that she was involved with, you know, on the softball team, and um, it, all of her friends came to Christ because of the witness that she had before them, except the one. And she's still praying for that one, okay? But in fact, um, some of them are even in the church that she brought to Christ and that were friends in her worldly days when she was still out there uh, without the Lord in her life. All right, so um, another scripture in the New Testament we see, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, it says, don't be deceived, bad company corrupts good character. Now that's the common English Bible version. And so uh, we can fall under that deception. Oh, it's okay, they're not going to influence me. But bad company will corrupt good behavior. Or you may be a moral person, you may have high standards, but you hang with the wrong people long enough and they're going to bring you to a point where you eventually at some point compromise and give in. Proverbs, yeah, now, and, and what, what I want to talk about, what about friendship? Uh, there, there's a scripture, and actually uh, Pastor Deb told me, but she said, what about this verse? And when she said it, it's like something jumped inside of me. I said, yeah, I got to talk about that. Because this is an important passage we see in the book of Proverbs, chapter 18, verse 24. It says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I, I believe that that friend who sticks closer than a brother is Jesus, okay? Uh, and we can debate that another time, but if you don't agree with that. But a man who has friends must show himself to be friendly. And, and, and I actually lived out this first because um, when I first went to Bible school, and you know, you need to understand my character, I was very introverted, very shy, uh, very quiet throughout, you know, uh, junior high and high school. I was the quiet guy. I was introverted. Just leave me alone. Don't mess with me. I'm, I'm okay. You know, I don't need a ton of friends. I think I had one or two close friends through junior and senior high. And I, I mean, I had some casual friends, but as far as close ones, there wasn't a lot, you know, because I didn't, I didn't think I needed a lot. And, and dad kept us busy on the farm, so we didn't have any extracurricular activities with school. We had to go home and work. And then we got up in the morning, we worked before we went to school. And, and so if I ever smelled like cow, that's why, because I worked before, uh, anyway. So for those that would remember my high school days, you know, I tried to change my boots and get the manure off my boots and that so it wouldn't smell up this classroom, but no, I didn't do it. Okay. Anyway, uh, that's a side issue. So when I went to Bible school, I, I thought, okay, great. Uh, I'm going to visit some churches. And being in the South, being in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there were 600 churches in the city of Tulsa. 600 churches. I, that's wow. So I thought I'll start visiting some. 
So I go visit. I go in and, and sit down. And, and I said, wow, these people aren't friendly at all. Nobody's coming up to me and introducing themselves. Nobody's saying hello. Um, hmm, this, oh, okay. Well, I'd, I'd leave that church and say, boy, I thought this was the South. I thought people are outgoing friendly. What's wrong? And I'm thinking, is it me, maybe? And, and so later the Lord showed me it was me. But anyway, so I, this happened a few weeks. And, and finally, I, before I think, Lord, I, I'm really discouraged, you know. You know, what should I do? And, and the Lord said, you're the problem. And he brought this scripture to my mind. He said, he who has friends must show himself friendly. You need to show yourself friendly. And I thought, but Lord, that's not my character. That's not my personality. I'm, I'm not that way. That's not who I am. You know, I need people to come up to me, interact with me, engage with me. Then I'll engage with them. Then I'll be nice to them. You know, if they're nice to me, kind of. And so, but then I went to a church. It was, I'll never forget. It was actually in Broken Arrow, which was not too far from the Bible school. Assembly of God Church, and I went in, and I went early, 15 minutes early. A lot of times visitors come early. Just keep note of that. Um, and so I see this guy come in. I'm standing by the bulletin board just kind of looking at the events and the things that they got going on. And, and I see the guy comes in. I said, hello, and my name is Matt Malik. What's your name? And he said, oh, I don't know. And I said, this is my first time visit. I said, how long have you been coming here? Oh, I've been and he engaged in conversation. Finally, you know, uh, that happened. Then, oh, why don't you sit with our family? And then, you know, Bible school students, they love to be invited over to dinner, you know. <laughs> and so before long, I'm getting invited over to people's homes and, and beginning to build relationships. But, you know, it was me making commitment that I needed to show myself friendly. And if we're going to build relationships, the scripture here is very clear. He who has friends must show himself friendly. I don't know about you, but you may think um, you don't need friends, but I want friends. Uh, you know, friends, that's, that's a need that we have in our life. We can say, well, I don't need any friend. No, you do. You really, you need friendship for accountability. You need it for other reasons and, and, and so forth. And often it starts with a smile. You know, uh, why do you think the Mona Lisa became one of the most famous paintings of all time? One possibility is because of the uniqueness of her smile. Think about that. And now, God is the author of relationships, and he longs to have a relationship with you. And in Matthew eleven nineteen, we see where Jesus was a friend to the sinner. His friendship won their hearts because they saw something in him. He, Jesus wasn't judging the sinner. He was loving them. And once they had a love encounter with him, they were transformed and changed. Because when he went to the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery, he says, neither do I judge you. He, he would have been the only one qualified and fit to throw the stone. But he said, forgive, forgive be forgiven. He forgave her. He said, go and sin no more. So he didn't just say, oh, keep sinning, keep having adultery. No, he didn't do that. He said, he forgave. And her life was transformed. Now, the Adamic nature is afraid to hear from God. When Adam sinned, he separated himself. He hid himself from God. And the reason he hid himself from God is because he did not want to hear what God would have to say because he felt guilt and condemnation because of his sin. 
And see, that's often how it is with people. They really don't want to hear what God has to say because of the sin in their life. But we need to let them know that God's made a plan available for them to be forgiven and to be restored in right relationship with God. Now, as we bring this service to a close, I want to give an opportunity or an invitation for those of you that may never have really connected with God in the right kind of relationship. And, and some people call it, okay, making peace with God. But I say having a right relationship with him. More than anything, God wants to have a right relationship with you. And if you have a right relationship with him, you know it. And you know it because he's done something in your heart. You know it because he's borne witness in your spirit. The scripture says in 1 John chapter 3, these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. God has given us things where we know, we, we bear witness that our hearts are right with God. Now, if you're here and you don't know that your life is right with God, if there's questions, if there's doubts, then I want to give you an opportunity to, to receive Jesus to receive him as the Lord of your life. And you say, how do we do that? How do we receive Jesus? How do we get right with God? It simply is you believing in him. What? Just believing that he exists? It's more than just believing that he exists, but it's believing that he laid his life down for you, that he died for you on the cross, that he forgave you of your sins, that he rose from the dead to give you new life. It's it's believing in him and what he did for you and you receiving from him the gift of eternal life, receiving from him forgiveness of sins because you can be out there and you can be upset with yourself and you can say, I don't deserve to be forgiven. I don't deserve eternal life. And you know, all that is true, but from God's standpoint, he has already forgiven you, but you need to come to a place where you accept his forgiveness, where you accept his love. And when you do, and your heart is open to him, he will come in. And he will not only fill your heart, the empty voids of your heart, but he will cause a transforming work to begin. He'll change the way you think, the way you process things. He'll change your whole outlook on life. You might say, but isn't this just a religion? No, it's not. It's a relationship. Christianity, true Christianity is not, I say it's not a religion. It's a relationship with a living God who exists, who's real, who wants to encounter us, who wants to interact with us, who wants to make himself known to us. God is not so far removed from us and distanced himself from us. That's not the God that we serve. He wants to get right inside of us, in, involved with our life to such a high degree. That's unbelievable. And you might say, God, how can you love me so much to be so concerned about me? The Bible says he even knows the hairs of your head. They're numbered. He knows how many or how little hairs you have. Dr. Colton? You know, <laughs> you know, he knows the number of those hairs on your head. You know, that's how intimately acquainted he is with who we are. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your strengths. You can't hide from him. Adam tried to hide from him. How foolish. He couldn't hide from God. Neither can you. 
but you can accept him because he's looking for you just as he was walking in the garden to find Adam. He was searching Adam out. God's searching your, you out today because he wants to encounter you. I want you to bow your head and in, 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 in this time, I'm going to ask you to place your trust in Jesus. Maybe you've never done that. I want you to open your heart to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I want you in my life. When we realize that we're sinners, then we come to a point where we realize we need a Savior. And the scripture says Jesus himself declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. You might say, well, isn't salvation through other means and other avenues? No, Jesus is it. And, and see, you might say, isn't that narrow-minded? Well, Jesus said the way is narrow. Aren't there many paths to heaven? No, there's only one. There's only one. And you can debate me on that, but the truth stands secure. So if you're here this morning and maybe you've never really opened your heart to Christ, I want you to take a bold stand and say, I, I want Jesus in my life. I'm willing and ready to receive him as my Lord and my Savior. You might say, maybe I'm not quite ready. But I want to ask you this question. Is there any reason why you would not want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Is there any reason? What is it? You might say, I'm not ready. Well, why aren't you ready? Maybe you need to process something a little more. Maybe you need to hang around and inquire a little more. Then you can ask questions. We can spend time with you and sit down and, and look at the Word and, and, and talk with you. And our hearts are open to you for that. We have leadership and pastoral care leaders, prayer team members that, that can pray with you. But if you're here and you say, I'm ready even at this moment to give my heart to Jesus, lift your hand if that's you. If that's you. end of the service, we're going to have the prayer team up here, and we invite you, if, if, if you're ready to come to Christ, to come and receive him. And you might say, well, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen? Well, somebody's going to simply pray a prayer with you to receive Jesus, and then we'll give you some information to help you in your walk with God and your journey with him. You might say, you know, this is not uh, this is, it sounds like some kind of sales pitch. No, it's not a sales pitch. It's an invitation to eternal life. It's an invitation to receive and meet the author of life. That's the most significant thing that happened in my life is for me to discover that Jesus is real and that he really loves me. That, that it's a personal relationship that it's not just me trying to have this concept of a God up there who is controlling the universe. But it's understanding that he is intimately acquainted with all of my ways and wants to show himself strong on my behalf and move in every area of my life. Now, as we close, I'm going to pray. I want to pray a prayer with you because we are all victims of broken relationships. And God knows the hurt and the grief that you've in, in, in incurred and encountered because of broken relationships. Now, our relationship with God was broken at the fall, and we suffer because of someone else's wrongdoing. And that doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem right. But in broken relationships, we suffer because of what someone else did, what was wrong. And, and, and even 
though we take responsibility for what we did wrong, life gets messed up and relationships are broken and severed. And so we want to pray. And what we're going to do is just I want to pray and you join your faith with me and, and connect your heart as, as I pray this prayer and, and really hear these words. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you today for this opportunity to pray with this congregation and to pray for them. Father, I pray especially for the one who may not have a right relationship with you, one that has never received you as the Lord of their life. I pray that today would be the day that they would encounter your love and receive you into their hearts as, as their personal Lord and Savior. And Father, I thank you for making their life what you desire it to be. Help them to discover your plan for them. Father, I pray for this congregation and, and everyone here that has encountered a relationship that went wrong, where there's been hurt, heartache, brokenness. And Father, we pray healing. We pray, Father, restoration. Father, in their own well-being, to be able to deal, Father, with the hurt and the offense. And to find that place of refuge in you. To find that place of strength in you. So they can rise up and overcome in the midst, Father, of the hurt and brokenness. I pray, Father, healing now. Heal broken hearts. Father, those who, whose lives have been wrecked because of what others have done. In Jesus' name, minister to the heartache. Father, we lay all that down before you, and, and we receive your love, and Father, your forgiveness, and Father, we release forgiveness. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. Now, now right now, if there's anybody that has been hurt because of a broken relationship or the one that hurt you, forgive that person. You might say, I, I don't want to forgive them. No, you need to. You need to. With God's help, you can forgive them because when you do, the hurt and the pain is released. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, before we let you go this morning, we want to receive an offering. And this morning, if you're a visitor, a first-time visitor, don't feel any obligation to give in this offering unless you so feel inspired. But in no way do we want uh, you to think that we want your money. No. And God doesn't want your money either. You know what? He wants your heart. He really wants your heart. And uh, when he has your heart, then the money follows. I mean, you, you, you love to give and be generous and supportive. That all kind of follows suit. But uh, in your bulletin this month is a section on the worship, on our worship to giving that you should take note of. And this is our giving opportunity to be part of what God is doing through Refuge. And uh, we encourage you to join your faith with us so we can see this year's budget met in addition to our outreach to Africa and uh, other items that you see as targets for this year, what we're believing God for. And, and I am an advocate that when everyone does their part, every need is met. And that may differ very from person to person, but we look for and long for responsive obedience to the Lord as we stand before him and honor him. And so uh, we want you to be sure that you honor God in your giving this morning. If you need an offering envelope, you can find one in your seat pocket in front of you. We're going to use up the Good News Fellowship Church ones, but you can write refuge on the check if you're writing on the check. The bank will receive that. They're prepared to receive that. But we encourage you to do your part. If you 
Anyone else needs an offering envelope that uh, is not available by you? Just lift your hand. Hallelujah. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you for the service this morning, and we thank you now for this opportunity to show our generosity towards you, through giving. And Father, we thank you for the vision you've given us as refuge, and we want to reach this community with the truth of the gospel. And Father, we thank you for the gifts and the seed that is being sown by your people to support what you're doing. Father, we thank you that, that you engage our hearts, that we can not only grasp and understand this vision, but be part of it in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you for the seed that's sown and for causing it to multiply. And Father, we thank you for your word that says, given it shall be given unto them. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. We thank you, Father, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the ushers are going to go ahead and pass the baskets. And as they pass the baskets, uh, we want uh, you to know that um, we love you <laughs> and appreciate you. If you uh, want to help us at, at the service, stack chairs, that would be great. But we want to encourage you to make sure you show yourself friendly one to another. And now you're going to have to practice this message, okay? You need to put on your best smile, your biggest smile, especially some of your kids. Sometimes the kids can have the biggest grouch look on their face of anyone. So let's practice by putting on a smile, okay, uh, as we encounter and relate to others. Amen. I'm going to have the prayer team come up at this time. And for those of you that need prayer for any reason, maybe you've had a broken relationship and, and you, you need God's healing touch in you and your emotions, or maybe you have a physical need this morning and you need a physical touch in your body, or maybe you want to encounter Jesus for the first time and give your heart to him, you are welcome to come up here and we'll spend time to pray with you and share with you. Thank you so much for coming. God bless you. You can be dismissed. Thank you so much for coming.